this area of personal spiritual growth. And I have been addressing God's people, those of you that have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, those of you that have been saved and you have saving faith in the Lord, we have been challenging you in, in this area of growing spiritually. I've asked you before to examine your life, to assess where you are. Are you actively spiritually growing? Do you feel like you're in a season of growing? Do you feel like you're in a season of stagnation? Do you feel like you're in a, a, a season of going back where there's a shrinking from things that are spiritual? If one was horrible and ten was uh, wonderful, I had asked you weeks ago, where are you on the scale? By the way, nobody's a ten. Right? If the Apostle Paul wasn't a ten, none of us are a ten. He might be 9.99999. But somewhere, if we give an honest assessment of, as believers in Christ, where are we in spiritual growth? Now, I hope and pray, as we have been preaching on this subject, and you've been adding to your faith, that your number's increasing uh, over the last couple of weeks. And you can literally sense when you, when you are spiritually growing, much like a child. Sometimes a child or, or a young child or an adolescent, when they hit a growth spurt, sometimes they stumble, they're a little awkward, they're a little gangly, their arms have gotten a little bit longer, their legs have gotten a little bit longer, and, and it takes them a little bit of time to find their coordination. And so there's evidence of spiritual growth. Peter understood the importance of this. In the life of the believer, he writes about it in both of his epistles and really and truthfully uh, shares it as the answer for how to survive the days that we live in, how to know victory in the Christian life. And so it's been much a wonderful blessing to have this series. Many of God's people desire to spiritually grow. Nobody is satisfied with a number that would be down at the bottom there. Nobody's really satisfied with a stagnant number. We all want to have active, spiritually growing lives. Uh, many times I find that God's people have this desire, but they don't know where to begin. You would be amazed at how many people never begin because they don't know where to begin something. It's like Bible reading. They don't know where to begin, so they never begin. Spiritual growth, I don't know where to begin, so they never begin. But the Apostle Peter left for us in chapter number one what I do believe to be a great starting place into the cycle of spiritual growth. Uh, it's in chapter one, verses five to seven. You know this. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, I want to be real clear to make sure that we understand. He's not teaching people here to add so that you can have faith. He's teaching people here to add to their faith. In layman's terms, that means this. Nobody gets to heaven or becomes a Christian because of what they do. We get to heaven or become a Christian purely and solely because of what Jesus Christ has done. So he's not saying, add these things to your life and somehow you will merit God's praise or merit God's salvation. Nobody can merit God's salvation. Salvation is a free gift given by God. Amen? That's what that is. But 
once we have trusted and accepted Christ as our Savior, and we do have saving faith, then we have the responsibility to add or to grow in this faith. And so there are seven of them that are mentioned there. You see them, verse number five, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Now we have addressed five of these already. We have addressed virtue, which is a moral excellence. How that once you've been saved, your morality changes. No longer do we walk according to the world's morality, but we walk according to God's morality. By the way, let me just say this again. Truly saved people do not live fully immoral lives. Let me say it again. Truly saved people do not live fully immoral lives. It's impossible to do it. Why is it impossible? Because you've been made new. And you've been created new in Christ. And that old way of life is impossible without the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, the help of the Holy Spirit of God, the chastening of the Holy Spirit of God. God God's not going to let that happen. So somebody can say with their mouth they're a Christian, but if their life is consumed in fornication and immorality, uh, your actions speak louder than your words. Okay? I'll say amen to that. That was good preaching. <laughs> Knowledge is spiritual truth. This is the application of the word of God to our daily lives. Temperance is a self-control, which is a spirit control. We're no longer, we don't live out of control lives. Patience, this is an endurance, a trusting, a waiting on the Lord without complaining, without murmuring. Godliness, we talked about as a God-likeness, where the nature of God is, is working in us, and we're being conformed to the image of his Son, and, and, and the life of Christ that is within us is, is seen without us. All of these things that we've been adding are internal. Today is an external one. And the external one is the evidence of all of these things as they are laid as a foundation and there's growth there. Verse number seven, add to godliness. What are those two words, please? Brotherly kindness. So let me ask you, Christian, are you a kind person? Do you believe yourself to be kind. I would dare say most of us would say yes. Some of us would say sometimes and others would say it depends who's in front of me. Right? Kindness. Brotherly kindness. I would submit to you that what the Bible is asking you, Christian, to add here is not human kindness. This is not a kindness that can be mustered up by human ability. This is not, this is not a, a kindness that comes purely and solely from the nature of of sinful humanity. 
That's not to say that unsaved people cannot be kind. The Apostle Paul ran into that on the Isle of Miletus when he ran into those natives. And those natives who were not believers, they became believers once they heard the gospel presented to them. But Paul said that they showed to him no little kindness. There is an essence in which even people who do not know the Lord can exercise kindness. And the sad thing is, sometimes unsaved people can be more kind than church people or saved people. Brotherly kindness, is the word is Philadelphian. It's a, it's a, a communal type of love to a, a group of people. Here, Peter is telling us to add brotherly kindness or brotherly love as you search it through the scripture you will find many times that it deals with those of those that are within the church inside the body of Christ but this kindness that he's asking us to add is not just human kindness what he's asking us here to add is God's kindness it will be proven by the definition. Hold your hand here, please. Go to Romans chapter 12. Well, here's where we will begin our Bible journey. Romans chapter 12, we will find what I believe to be the Bible definition of brotherly kindness. And then I will give you Webster's definition of kindness. And it will prove to you that this kindness is God's kindness. Romans chapter 12. Look, if you would, please, at verse number nine, as the apostle Paul here is encouraging the people of God in verse one, to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Verse number two, that we're not conformed to this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we prove what is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Verses three, four, five, six, and seven, how to deal with people in the ministry. Come down to verse number nine. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Now watch this. Be kindly affectioned one to another with, say those two words please, brotherly love, right? Now here's the definition of brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. So Paul's definition of brotherly kindness is a preferential definition. So when it comes to the brotherhood or the body of Christ or other believers or inside the church, Paul says that there's not to be dissimulation, there's not to be all of these things, but there is to be this kind affection of brotherly love that is preferential in preferring others before yourself. A reverential preference, which means I take a back seat, they take a front seat. I prefer their happiness, I prefer their joy over mine. It's, it's reverential, it's honorable, but it is preferable. I think Webster got his definition from there. Listen very carefully. Patience, a temper or a disposition that delights in contributing to the happiness of others. Got to give it to you again. A temper 
or a disposition that delights in contributing to the happiness of others. Now here's where you need to make sure you heard the definition. Webster's definition is not just, man, God bless you, I'm so happy that you're happy. No. Webster's definition, in linking with the honor or preference of the Bible's definition is, I am delighted that I was able to contribute to your happiness. That your happiness did not circumvent me. I, I was the one who contributed to your happiness. What would that contribution look like? Webster goes on, listen. Cheerfully gratifying their wishes. Well, what about my wishes? Right. Now, these wishes are not wishes that are against God. Never should we help anybody against God. But kindness is my temper or my disposition that delights in contributing to the gratifying of somebody else's wishes over my own. Cheerfully supplying their want. Brother, you got a need, and I know you got this need, and bless God, God's going to meet your need. No, God wants you to meet their need. Stop, stop waiting on God to do something that God told you to do. So, so I delight in being used, contributing to meet your need. Or the alleviating of your distress. What about my problems, Lord? My, what about my problems, Pastor? What about my, my stress, Pastor? Right. So here, add brotherly kindness. Honorable, preferential Love, a temper or disposition that takes joy and delight that God used me to meet your wish, supply your demand, or alleviate your distress. You might be asking yourself, how in the world does adding brotherly kindness grow me spiritually? The only answer to that is, have you met people lately? People are pretty much unkind mean. They don't always render back kindness. People are unkind and it will take the Holy Spirit of God working in you from the virtue that you've added, the knowledge that you've added, the temperance that you've added, the patience that you've added, the godliness that you have added to be able to exercise kindness. Now knowing the definition, I want to ask you a question. Are you really, truly a kind person? So let's go back, knowing the definition of temper or disposition, to be delighted to contribute to the meeting of other people's needs by the uh, gratifying of their wish, the supplying of their demand, or by the uh, alleviating of their distress and honor preferring one of them. And just go back to the last time you did that to somebody. 
I'm trying to go back in my own life. I just drove to Ocala. That didn't happen. Not on the highway. There was no kindness on the highway. <laughs> so when is the last time you exercised kindness that did not come from your human understanding? But it was a godlike kindness. It's interesting. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, if you would, please. Let me just show you something about God and where this kindness originated. Joel says the same thing. The psalmist in Psalm 117 says the same thing. Look, if you would, please, at Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse number 7. Speaking of the Lord here, or speaking of God, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his, what class? Kindness. I got news for you. Nobody has more kindness or is kind like God is kind. Now, I'm driving somewhere. Now, I need you to be spiritually mature. You're growing. You got to link thought to thought. Pastor, I'm here, and I kind of would take exception to what you just said. Because I don't necessarily know that I believe that God is kind. Let me show you the greatest act of kindness that God ever did. Make your way to the book of Titus, if you would, please. We were just there in the baby dedication. Go to Titus, which will be back to your left. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. Turn in the pages to Titus chapter number 3. I need the Bible to preach to you. You got to read it from the scripture because it's got power and punch to it. Titus chapter 3, look if you would please at verse number 3, for we ourselves, speaking of every saved person in this room, by the way, if you're saved, you've accepted Christ, would you just raise your hand so I can see it? Hold it, I want to see it, just a second. Okay, so he's talking to you. Put your hand down. For we were sometimes foolish disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But, verse 4, after that, the, say the word, kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man, did what? Appear. So, so the way that God showed his kindness was he gave to humanity his son, the Lord Jesus. The greatest act of kindness of God was to send Jesus Christ to become a man, to die on the cross for our sin, to be buried, and to be resurrected for our salvation. The greatest kind thing God can do to you is save you. So we're talking here to believers. Peter is saying, you, if you're going to spiritually grow, need to add brotherly kindness. Not the way, Tom, you think in your old man that kindness is. But you need to add in the way that I am and in the way that you see my kindness given to you through Jesus Christ. 
Christ. Now watch this truth build. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. First Thessalonians chapter number four, Paul is dealing with the church at Thessalonica on the purity of life, how we ought to live lives to the glory of the Lord. Look at verse number six, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, right? We're talking about brotherly kindness here. Verse number seven, he says, we've not been called unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Now look at verse number nine, writing to the church at Thessalonica, but as touching brotherly love you need not that I write unto you for ye yourselves are taught how class of God to love one another so in essence and please don't say amen to this you, you don't need me To preach this message. You don't need me to say anything. Because when you got saved and the Holy Spirit of God indwelt you and came into you. The Holy Spirit of God brought the divine nature of God. And the divine nature of God is kind. And so Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, this type of kindness is really innate to the new man. Now, my old sinful man, I might have been able to know kindness at some degree, but are you talking about honorable, preferential over somebody else to where I have a temper or a disposition where I am, I am delighted to contribute into their happiness above my happiness? You mean that I'm going to gratify their wish, supply their want, uh, attack their distress over my own? I'm telling you, that's, that's insane. I'm not going to do that. Yet within the nature of God is that type of kindness. And by the way, he acted in that kindness towards you. So... That's why as a believer, when you're walking through Publix and you see somebody need a moment of kindness, you feel this rush of spiritual kindness. That's why when you see somebody who's broken or hurting, you just feel this moving deep within your soul of this, of this moment to reach out and be kind. That's that's what the Spirit of God does inside the life of God's people. Now, you have the choice to squash that and say, I don't have time, I don't have resource, or those people are idiots, or those people are mean to me, and there's no way I'm going to be kind to them. By the way, their reaction to your kindness doesn't matter anything. All through this Bible, God commands you to be kind. You are commanded to exercise God kindness. It's innate in the new man. Powerful. Let me show you how this works. Go, if you would, please, to Colossians chapter 3. Come on, we've got a couple more. We'll be done. Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, 
Paul is teaching the church at Colossae how to live in this newfound faith, how to have their affection set on things that are above, how to live opposite of what they did before they were saved in verses 6 and 7. Look, if you would, at verse number 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the, say that word starts with an I, image of him that created him. Now, now listen, God, God created mankind, right, when he made man in the garden. And mankind was made in the image of God, yes. But you and I were born in the image of Adam. You need to understand this for your salvation. When you and I were born, we were born under mankind, made in the image of God. But I was born with a sinful nature from Adam. I'm from the image of Adam. But when I got saved, I was created new. I was brought out of the image of Adam into the image of Christ. So what Paul is teaching here is that that new image or that new knowledge of that new creation has a difference to it. Look at verse number 12 of Colossians 3. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, saved of God, holy and beloved Bowels of mercy, the bow was the inner deep affection of the inner man in the Greek culture. Put on bowels of mercies and what class? Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So, so now that I have the new man in me, I am to daily put on Kindness. I do not wake up kind and neither do you. And there's times in the day, just like physically, when you change your clothes to meet a need. There are times I will wake up, I will garment and clothe myself with the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. I will want to put on the elect bowels of kindness, but then I meet an idiot. <laughs> or I meet somebody that challenges me. And I got to put that thing back on. Put that thing back. This is spiritual growth. Paul says, that I, Peter said, I'm asking you to put on a, a, a kindness that is not defined by the way humanity thinks. It's defined by the nature of God. It's defined as you see God's kindness given to you, Christ. It is a nature that is innate, that wants to come through God's people, but you must Put it on daily. Are you a kind person? Spiritually. You got to see Psalm 119. It defines this message perfectly. Psalm 119. Make your way there, please. Pastor, why don't you just put the verses up on the screen? It'd be so easy for us. I know, but I like to see you turn in your Bible. Psalm 119. Great truth here. Please digest this truth. Psalmist is writing about God. Are you there at verse 76? Please read every word. Let, 
I pray thee, speaking of God, thy, God's merciful kindness be for my, what class? Comfort. I don't know anything more comforting than kindness. The psalmist said, God's kindness comforts me. Every man in this room, nothing more masculine than love and kindness. You might not be a lot of things, but you can stink and be kind. Ladies, nothing more graceful and beautiful than love and kindness. You may not be a lot of things, but you can stink and be kind. Now watch this. The way that God's kindness comforts me. Think about this. I go to God when I have sinned. I go to God for forgiveness. I go to God at my best. I go to God at my worst. I can go to God at any time. And God may give me truth. He may give me change. But I always know that God is going to respond to me in kindness. What, what you need to understand in your world, Father, Dad, you may have to say yes. You may have to say no sometimes. But when your children come to you, they ought to believe that their dad is kind. Unkind dads destroy children. And you raise unkind children. Mothers, when your children come to you, they, they run into kindness. Husband and wife, kindness. Now let me stop right here so I'm not misunderstood. Kindness doesn't eliminate authority. Kindness doesn't uh, eliminate sternness. Kindness doesn't eliminate boundaries. But you can say no kindly. You can have boundaries kindly. Nothing brings comfort to chaos like kindness. So we have a beautiful illustration of what this does evangelistically. The reason that a lot of the unsaved world wants nothing to do with Jesus is because they see God's people be kind. If you are a boss of people at work, you better be kind. When you go to work as an employee, you're kind. Jeffrey is seated right down here after the 830 service. He said, Pastor... It was kindness from my godly co-workers that brought a comfort to my heart. The comfort of their kindness enabled me to be settled so that I could hear the gospel and get saved. Right, right. So when you think about God stretching you or pulling you and growing you, he wants you to add kindness because that kindness forces you to be right with him, walk with him. That kindness then brings a comfort to your world. 
And even you might be the authoritarian, you might be a police officer, you might be whatever. But kindness. Lastly, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number one, please. It will be done. Hebrews is not by revelation. I just found that out. Turn it wrong, please. We are to add brotherly kindness. This is God's kindness as demonstrated in giving us Christ. This is innate to the new man. Don't tell me you can't be kind. This is something we're to put on daily. It's daily our responsibility. We are commanded to be kind. This type of kindness brings a comfort to everyone around us. It, it, it elevates us to a, to a minister of God. Look, if you would, please, at Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 1. Let brotherly love do what, class? Continue. So we, as the generation now, as the people of God, we have the responsibility to grow in brotherly kindness. We have the responsibility to teach kindness. We have the responsibility to share kindness. If it's going to continue, then generation must pass down to generation. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't see the world getting more kind on its own. But God's people ought to be growing in kindness. So I've got to ask you one more time. Are you kind? Are you known for kindness? Believer, add it to your faith. By the way, look if you would please at Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 2. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained who class? Angels unawares. Now I want to be careful here, but I want to say I think I've experienced this verse. Is there any believer out there where you've, you've demonstrated kindness before and then you may have thought you've done it to an angel? You understand the reality of this verse? Okay, this is the, 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 don't, don't get freaked out here. Don't get weird. And not everybody out there is an angel. But I do believe there's been a time or two in my life where I was in a moment and God impressed upon me his, his kindness and it was almost like I was compelled to meet this need and I reached out in just a moment and met that need. I turned this way and I turned back and I don't know where those people went. Pastor, that's kind of freaky. What did you think? I got back in my car and I thought, did I just entertain an angel? You say, well, that's, that's ridiculous. But that's what the Bible says, right? Now, don't build your theology on this. But sometimes God puts you in a moment so that you can grow, and he wants you to exercise kindness, could be an angel. It's interesting. I would say this, and I'm done. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're rich, poor. I don't care if you're the boss or you're an employee. I don't care if you're an old man or a young man. I don't care if you're an old lady or a young lady. I don't care how bad your past is. I don't care how bad your mom and dad are. If you know Jesus Christ, 
you can exercise kindness. Man, do we need this. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, God, you built to this point. We got ourselves right as we added virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness. And then you said, now let's put this into action. Let's exercise brotherly kindness. Not just to the people of God, but to all people. Doesn't mean that there's not time when we're stern or there's not boundaries or wisdom that's needed. But there is a God kindness that is innate to the new man. And we are to add that to our faith. It it brings a comfort in our personality the chaos of our lives, our family, our, our situations. It softens people to the gospel, makes people approachable. Sometimes the response is, is rough, but, but we're not responsible for their response. We're just responsible for what we do. 27 years I've been in the ministry, Lord, and you know the scars that I have seen from unkindness. Let that not be the reality of our church. With heads bowed and eyes closed, Christian, I'm asking you to think about your brotherly kindness. Pastor, I struggle in this area. I'm thinking of a person right now I'm struggling to be kind to. Why don't you submit that to the Lord? Add this to your faith. Every husband ought to be kind to his wife, every father to his children, every wife to her husband, every wife to her children, to one another as children and brothers and sisters in Christ. At work, there should be kindness. You should be known. You should be approachable. You should bring comfort because God lives in you and you can exercise kindness. Every grandma, every grandpa ought to be known as kindness. Nobody wants to receive an unkind Jesus and that's who they see many times in God's people. Only the Holy Spirit of God can be speaking to you here. Maybe you're here today and you're not a believer and you need to receive God's kindness in the Lord Jesus. You've never accepted Jesus into your heart. You've never called upon him. You've never asked him to save you. You've never trusted him and him alone. Then today his kindness is available to you. We'd love to take a Bible and show you how you could be saved today and receive God's great kindness through his son. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, trusting you now to have your way in this invitation. That's our song, Have Thine Own Way. Lord, there might be somebody here today, and they they need to add kindness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness. I pray that you would just prick our hearts now. If there's anybody here that needs to be saved, let them come forward and just tell one of the men, I'd like to be saved. We take a Bible and show them how to be saved. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's have our invitation. The altar is open. Let's sing, Have Thine Own Way. Have
disposition that delights in contributing to the happiness of others. A temper or a disposition will only find that delight as that temper and disposition finds itself filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So here's your homework. Be kind. Exercise kindness. Pastor, how do I know when to exercise kindness? There's a lot of people out there. When you exercise kindness to everybody, you'll feel the pressing of the Holy Spirit of God. When you feel the pressing of the Holy Spirit of God to do a, a random act of God's kindness above your human ability, blows your mind, wants to shrink back, that's when God wants you to add kindness. Try adding kindness. People are really mean, so put on the armor of God. First thing that's going to happen is the first person you're going to say kind things to are going to curse you from top to bottom. Right? Just be prepared for that. Go find the other one. If that one does the same thing, go find the other one. But let's put on the spirit of kindness. Amen? All right. Let's sing our song to go home. God bless you. Thank you for being here. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm part of the family of God. Mm -hmm. 